0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SACS's Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Bodcher, and I'm an assistant professor and the Student Affairs Program Coordinator in the College of Education at Clemson University. I'm also your host for this program. Today, we are excited to have Dr. Tanisha Jenkins, who is currently the Director of Multicultural Student Life and is also a former president of the Southern Association for College Student Affairs the SACSA organization which sponsors this podcast. Today, Dr. Jenkins is gonna talk with us about her experiences as both a supervisor and supervisee when it comes to issues of identity conscious supervision. Tanisha, welcome and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me and thank you to both you and Erica for making this um, opportunity possible, so
0: thank you. Absolutely. So before we get started in sort of the content for the podcast, um, we also want to get to know you a little bit and let our listeners get to know a little bit about you. So would you start and just kind of share the version of the story you want us to have of your um, journey from where you started to where you are today at the University of Tennessee?
1: Definitely. Thank you. So I am originally from South Carolina, a small town in South Carolina, right in between Greenville and Columbia. It's Clinton, South Carolina. Um, So grew up there, went to school, um, middle school, elementary school, and high school all in Clinton, and then also stayed in Clinton for my undergraduate experience at Presbyterian College. Um, So that was my undergraduate institution. I lived on campus all four years and loved it. Um, There were definitely times where I felt like I wasn't in Clinton because we had our own little bubble (laughs) on Mm -hmm. campus. So I appreciated that experience. And so during that time, I studied business administration. And so my initial goal and plan was to go work for a Fortune 500 company in their human resources department. Um, Upon graduating from Presbyterian, I worked for a company for six months and hated it. Um, but during that same time while I was working there, I was also spending my weekends volunteering with the Upward Bound program at Greenville Technical College in Greenville, South Carolina. And so a full-time position ended up coming open at Greenville Tech with the Upward Bound program. So I, trans- I transitioned on to Greenville Tech. Um, it was during my time at Greenville Tech when I began thinking about pursuing my master's degree and ended up applying to Clemson and getting accepted for the counselor education program with the focus in the student affairs administration so i became a um graduate assistant for the Gantt intercultural center at that time i know the name has changed a little bit now but it's the, it was the Gantt intercultural center when i was there and served as a grad assistant there and so I have some wonderful memories and experiences from clemson from the role that Dr. Tony Coffin, Dr. Pam Havis, Dr. Melissa Shivers, and also Dr. Althea Richardson have played in my life. So I really appreciated my opportunity at Clemson. So upon graduating from Clemson, I went to Western Carolina University in Cullowee, North Carolina, and served as Director of Multicultural Affairs there for five years. And so hitting upon the five-year mark, I began thinking about kind of what was next and where I wanted to go. And so an opportunity became available at the University of Tennessee. So I came to the University of Tennessee in 2009 as the Associate Director of Minority Student Affairs. And then in 2012 was promoted to um, Director of Multicultural Student Life. And so I've been here ever since. i very excited and glad um, that I wrapped up this PhD. So I, I graduated in December. So now that that is off of my back i can breathe a little bit <laughs> um, so excited about that um, because growing up my parents always instilled in us that we would get an education you are going to go to college and get a four-year degree but i never thought about getting a phd um, so to to have accomplished that for myself and for my family is something that i take seriously but i'm glad that it's over
0: Yes. Well, (laughs) congratulations. That's huge. So thank you. um, I hope you're making lots of people call you doctor, at least for a little while. So
1: for a little while, it still it still makes me a little nervous. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. Well, um, thank you so much for that. Can you share a little bit about, you know, who are you outside of the job? You know, what are some hobbies you have? What are you reading or watching or listening to right now? What are your interests? Mm -hmm.
1: So I'm trying to get myself back into hobbies and reading because the PhD Uh took up so much time um, in my life. I had to put some of that on hold for a while, Um, but I definitely enjoy and appreciate giving back and working in my community. So I'm heavily involved in a lot of community organizations here in Knoxville. Um, While I haven't started back truly reading books yet for pleasure, I do have two books that I've had um, two colleagues and friends give to me, which I plan to hope to start soon. So they will be for pleasure, but they're also kind of personally related as well, too. And so I just wanted to share. um, One is The Memo, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table by Minda Hartz. And then the second one is How Women Rise. Breaking, Breaking the 12 Habits, Holding You Back from Your Next Raise, Promotion, or Job by Sally Huffleson and Marshall Goldsmith. So those two books were passed along to me. So I'm looking forward to reading them and reflecting on how they um, connect with my journey, both as a woman of color, um, personally and professionally as well.
0: Great. All right. Um, Yeah, you've probably done plenty of reading recently, (laughs) just not of your own choosing, perhaps. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Okay, so one last question, and then we'll sort of shift to our topic. But, um, so I am curious, and this is something I totally made up, so I don't, I'm not pretending it's like scientifically backed or anything, but um, having worked in student affairs for a while, I feel like there are people who love fall and gearing up and getting ready and welcoming back and all of that. And there are people who love spring, which is not to say that they're like, okay, get out of here, students. That's, right. that's not how I define it, but more the, all right, so what did we achieve and that opportunity for reflection um, and lessons learned and things like that. Mm -hmm. So when you think about yourself in the work, are you more of a fall person or are you more of a spring person?
1: Wow, so I would say it's a combination of both. So there's definitely some anxiety, a little bit of anxiety that comes at the end of the summer when you realize that your summer is over (laughs) and it's time (laughs) to go back to campus. Um, But I get excited about the energy that comes around the beginning of a new academic year and the welcome week activities and the orientation activities and seeing all the new faces on campus but then also connecting with our returning students as well so that excites me but then i also truly appreciate the spring semester especially for that time of kind of reflection and processing to mm-hmm. celebrate the successes through the year but then also reflect on the challenges that we also overcame during the year as well too and so that helps me to continue to focus on that this too shall pass. Because oftentimes we are in situations where we just don't think we're gonna get past it. And when you do, being able to reflect on making it through that situation um, or making it through that academic year helps you to remember that there's always more.
0: Right. And that's especially true this past spring where it was yes. like, okay, we we got through and now mm-hmm. it's what does fall look like and how do we prepare for that? So
1: okay, exactly. great.
0: Well, well, I appreciate that you've shared um, about who you are and kind of how you came into the work. Um, Since we're talking about supervision today, would you share a little bit about your supervision philosophy? Who are you as a supervisor?
1: Mm -hmm. So as a supervisor, I would say that I am definitely someone who appreciates the importance of relationships and building relationships um, across the team. Um, I created kind of my own little three C's um, of communication, compassion, and confidence. Um, communication is key because I think a lot of the issues that we have within supervision often come from things being miscommunicated or misunderstood. So definitely taking the time to learn about one another and listen to each other in an effort to, best communicate expectations to supervisees, but also allowing the supervisees to communicate their expectations that they have of you as a supervisor as well. And then compassion, understanding the needs of the team. Um, That connects a little bit too with um, situational leadership, which I believe in as well, because each team member is different. And so understanding where they are along their journey and what they need, but also being consistent in your decision-making as a supervisor, um, so that the team sees that you're consistent and not playing favorites, but you're also tailoring your style and your needs to your styles to the needs of your supervisees as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then confidence. Um, Michelle, at the end of the day, trust is a big thing for me. Um, If I can't trust you, we're gonna struggle. (laughs) We're going to struggle. And so, being able to work to establish trust with our team, um, being able to trust that you will get the job done, the tasks and responsibilities that have been given to you in your role, I want to be able to trust that you're going to get that done because I do not like to be a micromanager. Now, can I be one? Yes, when the work is not getting done. (laughs) Do I want to be one? No. So I want to trust that you're going to get the job done. I want to trust that you're going to have the best interest of our students and our team um, in mind in decisions that you make. And I want to be able to trust that things that I share as a team, as a staff, or our leadership team within the department stays within that group, especially when we're trying to work through some challenges or things coming down the pipe or anything else that's happening across campus that we need to talk through together, so compassion. Um, confidence, excuse me, compassion, confidence, and communication are the three things that play into my um, philosophy of supervision.
0: I love that. There are so many things that you can learn on the job, but learning to do what you say you're going to do, if you don't come with that, right. you're probably not going to have that. So that's great. Very true so with everything that's going on in the world right now related to issues of identity and power privilege and violence while these aren't new issues they're visible in ways that they maybe haven't always been visible um so staff are navigating work and issues on campus but they're we all navigate the world as well um can you talk a little bit about issues like power privilege, social media, racial battle fatigue, and other ways that identity and exhaustion overlap. Um, And then how do you navigate those things with the people you supervise but also for yourself? So it's a really easy question. (laughs) Very easy, very.
1: (laughs) Um, I think initially to start with as you mentioned, there are so many things happening in our nation right now, in our nation, but also locally on our campuses and having to process all of that as a person of color, but then also as a person of color who's a campus administrator, um, are things that we constantly have to work through. And there are times when, there are times when I'm not sure if everyone recognizes that A lot of people of color show up to campus with a lot of things. So when you think about everything that's happening in the world right now, when I come home from campus and I see all of this on television and on the news, it has an effect on me as a black woman. That same stuff comes with me when I come back to campus the next morning and have to deal with things that are also happening on my campus. So for me as a black woman, The work that I do in diversity, equity, and inclusion doesn't leave from me when I go home at night and leave campus where some of us get to turn it off. As a black woman, I don't get to turn it off. Mm -hmm. So being able to understand that and understand what I may be showing up with each and every day, um, I think is important for supervisors to realize um, because all of that can impact how we show up um, and who we are as well in the work that we do. Um, And in thinking about navigating those things with my team, I think we do a really good job of coming together as a team and kind of debriefing things that have happened and being able to talk about it as a team. Um, For example, when things happen on campus, we may provide an opportunity for students to come and um, share their emotions, share their concerns, reflect on what has happened and kind of help them work through it. And then the next day we try to provide the same opportunity for us because while it is impacting the students and we need to be there to support them it also has an impact on us as well too and so being able to have our own conversation and support one another has been helpful for us Um, but then also encouraging each other to take mental health days or to take a day off and totally disconnect in an effort to re-energize and renew and kind of work through things that are going on because it's, it's a lot and racial battle fatigue is real. Mm-hmm. Um, with everything that has happened over the spring and the summer, it's been interesting to see how many of our institutions now truly believe that our diversity and inclusion work is important. Mm-hmm. Um, when this work has been happening on our campus for years, But now it's important and so as professionals having to work through that as well too because you know your work is important you know that what you do or what you've been doing matters but now that it's something that's being discussed nationwide now we all want to care and say that it matters so working through the feelings of that but then also using this time to um to share the narrative about What's been happening on your campuses, um, what work has been done, and how you can use this time to truly influence more great work towards diversity and inclusion efforts for our campus community, I think is also very important.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and in your area in particular, you know, you talk about turning off. There is no off because right. life in the job, in the moment with your team, and it's life, period. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm um yeah it's it's interesting your comment about now everyone is seeing this as important work it's never been unimportant right it's just not been showcased maybe and resourced uh depending on the institution in the way that it should but i feel like every campus now has this whether it's a new task force or Mm -hmm. a new initiative or imperative so Um, I appreciate that a lot. How do you, and you've you've touched on this a little bit, um, but do you have like specific experiences either as a supervisee or a supervisor that you feel like, okay, because of that, I am better equipped to attend to my team and or to attend to myself? and I know it could be good examples, bad examples, so I'll mm-hmm. defer to your discretion about you know, which examples you want to use, but what are some of your own experiences that inform how you um, not just do the work of your your position, but do mm-hmm. the work of your role um, and role model for others, these issues of care and support and all of that stuff?
1: Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is learning, learning by what you've seen, what you have experienced. um, That shapes you or that has shaped me into how I've begun to show up as a supervisor. Um, You know or I know (laughs) when someone is not genuine or someone is not sincere. Um, and guiding me or providing me feedback and guidance. I also know when someone does truly care about me, not only as a professional, but personally as well too. So learning from those experiences and using that to help kind of mold me or develop me into how I interact with um, my team and staff has truly helped to shape me. Now, have I always gotten it right? No, and I own that. Um, But that's also part of the experience too. Um, None of us are perfect, but we learn from the things that we go through and we can only just try to get better from there. And so that's how I've kind of used my experiences um, from being a supervisee, then also being a supervisor, just paying attention to it all and recognizing kind of what has impacted me negatively or impacted me positively, and how can I use some of those characteristics and traits, plus who I am as a person, to better the staff and team that I work with on a
0: daily basis. That's great. You talked earlier about you know, when you're navigating issues on campus or beyond campus, that you take time to debrief with the staff, and you talked about m- mental health days. How do you do that for yourself? Um, in terms of either role modeling for your staff, but also just on a fundamental level, making sure you have what you need to have to be able to come back and do the work.
1: Mm -hmm. So my faith is very important to me. Um, So I definitely lean a lot on my faith to help me navigate many of these um, issues or challenges. Um, I am also, I guess I can say proud of myself for um, something that happened this past academic year. I am normally the one who facilitates the conversation. When it's time to bring the students together to talk through an issue, I'm normally the one who facilitates that conversation, um, gets the students going and talking, gets them to solutions. This particular incident, like I looked at my staff and said, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And so being able to own that, but then provide an opportunity for other team members to step up Mm -hmm. and be able to facilitate those conversations because again it gets hard Mm -hmm. and it impacts you as a individual but then also as a professional and -hmm. that particular day it was impacting me hard in
0: both ways. Mm -hmm. Well and I do think that that's important because you I feel like sometimes supervisors and leaders can say the right things But if they don't engage in practicing and showing what that looks like to say, this is one where I need to step back, Mm -hmm. um, then it becomes, yeah, that's what they say. I had a supervisor one time who said, I don't expect you to be here until six o'clock at night. And he was there every night until six or seven o'clock. And I'm like, okay, but you're here, (laughs) you know, and so, um, so that's. That is, that's huge, Um, and it probably, and you don't have to go into detail, but it probably Mm -hmm. felt risky on some level too, um, because it is about vulnerability, and it's about being honest with the struggles that we're facing, so. Mm -hmm. So yes,
1: it did feel risky on some levels, but what made it a lot easier for me than it has in the past, is that I trusted the individuals on my team. I was Mm -hmm. confident in them and trusted them and knew that they could handle it. Whereas in some previous situations, I haven't had that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you said earlier, trust is one of your foundational pieces in the relationship. How, um, how do you think you go about establishing that when it comes to building that sort of healthy culture of supervision? How do you, are you somebody who extends trust first? And if it's not compromised, then that's how it's tested, are you, let's sort of see how this individual relationship works out and then gradually extend more trust. What's your style around that?
1: So it's a little bit of both, Michelle. Um, I tend to be a very intuitive and discerning individual. Um, So if something doesn't sit right with my spirit, um, I'm a little hesitant um, Mm -hmm. in how I move forward. And so there have definitely been times where things have set really well with me and I feel good about it and I provide that opportunity in terms of being vulnerable and sharing until that trust is compromised. Mm. There have been other times where like, I'm not so sure about this. And so I am um, strategic and intentional in what I share and how we move forward. Um, But I also, I believe that building relationships are important, so spending that time um, whether it's in a 101 or at lunch, or um, going to the student union to grab Starbucks or something together. Having that time together where we're not always talking about work-related stuff, and I am getting to know you and you are getting to know me helps with that relationship building and helps with that trust. so that when there is times for us to come together and I have to hold you accountable, or you want to share with me a concern that you have, because we have built that relationship and we know each other, those conversations are a lot easier than when we don't have a relationship. Mm
0: -hmm. So if you were to have um, maybe a grad student or a new professional come to you and say, um, and and assume it's someone that you know fairly well, maybe they've worked in your office, done an internship or uh, had their assistantship there, and they were to ask you for some guidance in how, as a supervisee, to build a good relationship with a new supervisor as they get ready to move into a new position, what advice would you give them?
1: I would advise them to, first and foremost, be honest and genuine and sincere about, with their actions and their conversations that they have with their supervisor. Um, Ask to spend that extra time with the supervisor if it isn't offered. So ask the supervisor about, hey, do you mind if we go to lunch one day so I can just pick your brain about something or whatever the case may be, extending that as well if the supervisor doesn't do so. Um, be okay with asking questions, um, mm-hmm. but then also be okay with saying, I don't know. If your supervisor asks you about something, be okay with saying, I don't know, but I will find out. Um, I think a lot of times, as new professionals coming into roles, we feel like we have to do everything right. We have to be perfect. We have to know. There are some things you are just not going to know, and it's okay. Um, Mm -hmm. But this role should help you learn some things as well, too. So being okay with saying that you don't know. And then if there are ever times that there are challenges or concerns that you have, to be respectful and addressing those directly with your supervisor. Those are not conversations you should be having with other colleagues or peers in the department or across campus. Mm-hmm. If you need to process it with someone, talking to a mentor or a colleague that is at another institution or somewhere else, be careful about the conversations that you have on the campus where you work um, is also important. So that's the advice I would give them too.
0: What about a new supervisor? So you know there's lots of conversation about there aren't a ton of programs that have a course in supervision. Mm -hmm. Most of us learn to be supervisors because we become supervisors. So what advice would you have for the new supervisor?
1: For them to take the time to get to know their team and understand their team. Um, I know that we have a thousand things on our plate to do and sometimes that is that's hard but even outside of that one-on-one as I mentioned earlier, Carving out that time to spend time with them to get to know them. Um, If you inherit a staff by chance, um, taking the time to learn more about their experience, learn more about their experience in that department, their experience at the institution, because that will help you in learning more about them and in building your relationship with them as well. but then if you also have the opportunity to hire your own staff and build your own team to take that seriously, too, because the people that you surround yourself with can either make you or break you. And so those are things that um, you definitely should pay attention to as a supervisor. But I would also say being clear and direct in your um expectations in your expectations for your team and clear and direct in the vision that you share with the team that you have for the unit. Um, when they understand your expectations and your vision and you also allow opportunity for them to share with you what their expectations are for you as a supervisor, that truly helps to build that team, that communication, and that rapport so that you all can truly get the work done effectively and efficiently.
0: Great. And then I have another question because as I was preparing for this, I realized I was talking about new supervisees and new supervisors, but what advice would you have for established supervisors? Because, and I'll just, I'll be transparent with my own experience. There was a point where I kind of knew who I was as a supervisor and not I, it wasn't in a, I've got it down perfectly, but I knew, who I was, and how I showed up. Um, And I probably got a little stagnant at times. So what are things you do to keep yourself engaged? And what advice would you have for the established supervisor as maybe just a regular point of reflection or something to integrate into practice so that they're fully engaged in that? Because that's always part of a job right mm-hmm. You're doing other right. things so do you have advice for established supervisors
1: to continue to be flexible and open to to learning um you you as i mentioned earlier i have not always gotten it right and i own that um but those experiences have taught me how i want to show up differently as a supervisor and um how I want to better interact and build relationships with my staff and my team. So in thinking about that, I would say, continuing to be open and flexible, but then also inviting the opportunity for feedback. At the end of our one-on-ones, I always ask our team or the individual that I'm meeting with at that time, um, what do you need from me? But then also, are there things that I could be doing better to best support you in your role? So being open to that feedback that they provide there, and then taking it and reflecting on it, and you know the pieces that are true and things that do that you do need to work on, taking those and doing that, and the pieces that are maybe not <laughs> really what they are, spitting those back out. So taking taking the part that's you and working on that, and then the other pieces letting that go, um, but providing that opportunity for for open and honest feedback. Um, has been helpful and necessary and then still continuing the professional development around supervision. Um, Many of our institutions have um, supervisor summits through their human resources department so you've been a supervisor for 10 years that doesn't mean that you don't need to go to the summit this year maybe and you know brush up on your on your skills so be continue continue to um be open to continuing to learn and grow and develop and to take honest and constructive feedback and criticism
0: well and I love that because it one it aligns perfectly with what you're talking about in terms of trust because Mm -hmm. that is an act of trust to ask for feedback Mm -hmm. Um, and then it also I think there's always going to be a power dynamic but it does sort of equalize in a way and say hey we're in this work together and I know I still have things to learn and it can make it sort of customizable, because you said this early on, not every person is gonna need the same things. And so right. to give them a chance to tell you what they need, it takes the guesswork out of it. So mm-hmm. that's great. Well, okay, this has been great so far. So what have I not asked you about that you'd like to talk about or what should I be asking you about?
1: I think you covered
0: it all, Michelle. You asked me a lot. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Well, I mean, this has been great. And I just, I appreciate your just forthrightness and sort of saying, um, I'll be honest with you, if you said I did, I have always gotten this right, I'd be a little suspicious of that. But I think those are opportunities for us, you know, our mistakes, if we don't take the risk to make mistakes, then we're not looking to continue to grow. Um, so that's good. And again, when it comes to emerging professionals, that's just part of the work, you know, you're not gonna just knock it out of the park every single time. So, Mm -hmm. um, I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. As we wrap up, what, what gives you hope right now? You know, what brings you some joy? Um, the world is, Complicated, messy. You know, choose whatever words you want to use that's appropriate for this forum. Um, but you know, what is it that that keeps you going? Keeps you just sort of mm, finding finding pleasure in certain moments and and just mm-hmm. continuing to participate.
1: Mm-hmm. So while the world is messy right now, and we are. Um, concerned about moving forward and what's to come. One thing that this COVID-19 pandemic has done for me is provided me with the opportunity, time, and space to renew, reflect, and re myself. Um, we get so busy in the day-to-day stuff of our jobs, our families, our community work that we lose that time to truly be still and at peace Mm -hmm. and having to be at home, (laughs) you know, for the amount of time that we have um, in this space. Quarantining has allowed me, has provided me with a chance to truly take a break and think about life, think about life, think about um, who I want to be, the legacy that I want to live, leave and how, and how I move forward from here, because there is no more normal. So whatever is coming next, I have tried to use this time to help me prepare for whatever this next season may be. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's beneficial and that has been helpful and that has provided me with some joy and peace to be able to think through that and to have the time to do so but then also my family. So I had the opportunity to go home to South Carolina um, last weekend, my grandmother turned 90. And oh. so to be there to help celebrate her 90th birthday and to have the whole birthday parade for her um, in honor of her 90th birthday, definitely brought me um, joy and excitement and happiness just to see that, again, this too shall pass. And mm. 90, 90 years later, she's still here.
0: Mm. So. Mm-hmm. That's great. So 90 years. She would have just missed the last pandemic. Is that right? Like I think so. so. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, and I, I appreciate that a lot because, um, you know, I keep hearing people talk about, well, when we go back to, and that's not what we need to aspire to. It no, is, all. We, we've all had, some time, whether we wanted it or not to think about what can life be instead mm-hmm. of just going through the motions, because that's what we've been used to. So I love that. And I love the note of hope, the aspiration. Um, because as as hard as things are, this is an opportunity for mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. So, well, this has been wonderful. I cannot thank you enough for your time. I know that Um, We're all busy trying to, I don't know, predict the future, which we can't do. So then we're busy trying to be flexible, which, (laughs) you know, works for a while. But um, it really means a lot that you took some time to talk and, and share your experiences and your insights. Thank you so much for that.
1: Thank you. Again, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it our conversation today and during this time it also helped me to think through some other things as well so thank you again for this opportunity and again thank you to erica lee as well for putting all this together so
0: yeah she is wonderful and i she just makes this so easy and she puts all the pieces together and i get to just show up and have great conversations (laughs) so um thank you so much dr tanisha jenkins (laughs) I will use that title uh, <laughs> generously for a while at least um, but congratulations on that. I mean, it's um, I guess it's nice to go into a pandemic having your doctoral work behind you. Yes, it <laughs> is. So. <laughs> yes, well, indeed. thank you thank again. You. And today's essay today podcast is brought to you by Saxa and we thank them for their support. Additionally. As we mentioned, this show would not be possible without producer Erica Lee. So much gratitude to you, Erica. My name is Michelle Botcher. It has been a pleasure to have this conversation today and have a beautiful day. Thank you.